Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. I'm going to go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read from verse... 10 to 17 in the English Standard Version. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download YouVersion app. You can check out the screen if that's not convenient for you right now. This is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to get into our life and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. God, we want to be changed today. We want to be changed into your image. We want you to highlight areas of our life where there may be spiritual lack and that you would give us spiritual awareness so we would come alive to your promise. We would come alive to your word. We'd come alive to your kingdom. So anoint me fresh right now. Give me a prophetic edge right now and let men and women have ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you're saying to them individually and collectively. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. So Paul starts this passage, finally. Now when I see the word finally, there are obviously different ways that you could uh, view that. Uh, I think that you could view the word finally as an event or a function that was just going extra long, unbelievably boring, and it finally wrapped up and you were like, ah, finally. That's not how this word is being used here. Another way that you could use the word finally is if you've been down to a Nordstrom or a a, a mall somewhere and you've got something on sale, it was like final sale. No refunds, don't bring it back, we don't care, take it home, sell it again, whatever. And it's like a final sale, finally, like it's over, we're glad it's over. That again is not what Paul is using the word finally for here. When Paul says finally, What he is doing, he's bringing to a head. He's bringing to a climax. He's joining everything together. Everything that he said in this epistle to the Ephesians. Some people call this the Magna Carta of the church. In some of the manuscripts, the word Ephesus wasn't written in the early manuscripts. And it was believed that this epistle was actually sent around to a variety of churches. Obviously, there were some epistles with the word Ephesus in it. So we call this the epistle to the Ephesian 
church. And when Paul is saying, finally, he's wrapping up. He's summing up the epistle. Best way for us to do a flyover and understand what the epistle is all about is just simply in three words. Sit, walk, and stand. The word sit we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, where it says, We were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And He raised us up with Him and He seated us. Everyone say seated. He seated us with Him in heavenly places. So our spiritual authority and our spiritual walk begins here. Seated, sat down in a position of rest. Next word is the word walk. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so while we are encouraged to sit and have spiritual authority, walking means that our spiritual authority enables us to take territory, to take ground, to move forward, The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the army of the Lord. Gates do not attack you. You attack the gates. So as we walk forward, we're going through gates, opening gates, kicking down walls, taking territory. And so we have our spiritual authority by being seated with Him in heavenly places, but we enforce it by walking it out and taking ground. Every time we build a building, every time we buy a property, every time someone gets saved, every time someone gets baptized, every time somebody is set free from the kingdom of darkness, we're moving forward and taking territory. This is the mission of the church wait in Jerusalem sit down until you are endured with power from on high and then go out walk it out be witnesses for me in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth walk sit walk and stand verse 10 be finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everything God has stored up for us, everything that He has pre-planned, everything that He has predestined, everything that He has purposed, everything that He has for us, reserved for us, will not come to us without us engaging in a battle. Everything that God has for us, the enemy wants to oppose to us. So God has great things for us and Paul is encouraging us, he's exhorting us and enlisting us and he's saying, hey, listen, I want you guys to be battle ready. Everyone say battle ready. When I was 16, I did my first day at high school in uh, Heatley High School in Townsville. Not known, not known specifically for its high level of education. Maybe a slightly rough area. Imagine your rough area that you have in your area. Heatley High School is right there in that area. And I went to school, first day at high school, and I was 16 years of age, uh, just moved to town, and my mother bought me a pair of Adidas. We're all aware of Adidas with the three stripes. My stripes didn't have white. My stripes weren't black. They weren't gray. For whatever reason, whatever reason, my mother got me shoes with bright pink fluoro like fluoro pink stripes 
down the side. It was like, eh, eh, you couldn't go anywhere without like, and the sun, the North Queensland sun bearing down on the fluorescent and they were just, they were reflecting everywhere. I remember a guy at school, his name was Wayne Thorne. He was in the same grade as me, stocky young guy. And, and I remember him taking one look at me going, but you, oh, you know, just like mocking me, look at the shoes and just really gave me a hard time all week. I didn't like Wayne Horn, Thorne. And so anyway, about, I don't know, about six months later passed and, and Wayne and I actually became really close friends. And we joked about when he saw me at school and he pretty much was saying, yeah, I was saying all that because I was trying to pick a fight. And so we got into the conversation on like, if we did have a fight, who'd win the fight? And I'd done some boxing and he'd done Taekwondo. So I said to him, listen, why don't we just don't, don't do the feet thing? Let's do the boxing thing and see what happens. And I held my ground, hit him a few times. I think I walked away winning the fight. And uh, he said to me, so that's unfair. It's not really how I've trained. I've trained with Taekwondo and we use our feet. And so I'm like, well, why don't we just do one fight? We'll just do one fight with your feet. See what happens. Shouldn't be a problem. Because I'm thinking to myself, I know he's going to kick me. I know it's going to happen. So I'll, I'll get ready. He'll kick. I'll, this, in my head, this is how it played out in my head. He'll kick. Foot will go up about here. I'll grab it with my left hand. I'll move his foot to the left, and I'll follow through. Boosh, punch him in the face. I win both fights. You're glad you didn't mess with me with my fluoro shoes. And so we lined up, and next thing, before I knew anything, I'm on the ground with blood pouring out of my face. I don't know where those feet came from. I'm not sure if you had ninjas hidden in trees. But whatever, I remember getting up thinking to myself, oh, don't do that again. I was not battle ready. I was not ready for the fight. I was beating ready, but not battle ready. Uh, this author, a, a, a speaker by the name of Pedro Akuro, said this. Spiritual warfare is very real. There is a ferocious, fierce battle raging in the realm of the spirit between the forces of God and the forces of evil. Warfare happens every day, all the time. Whether you believe it or not, you are in a battlefield, you are in a warfare. I want to get us battle ready. First thing that I think that we need to, yeah, you can give Jesus a round of applause because we definitely need, and while you're doing that, I'll drink to it. The first thing that we need to do to be battle ready is that we uh, need to be filled with confidence. Now, if you're in the ESL class and you're learning English, confidence is not an English word. I made it up. And it's like confidence, but rather than the confidence being in you, It's your confidence being in God. And so being battle ready means that we need to be filled with confidence. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. In other words, before you put on the armor, before you fight the battle, before you take on the enemy, you have to make sure that internally you are strong. Be strong. The word there is in dunamo from the word dunamis, which we use in the book of Acts to be filled with power from on high. This is Holy Spirit power. This is God's power from heaven in us, residing in us. 
So, so I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to be filled with spiritual power. That's why it's important for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important for us to be praying in the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important for us to be able to worship in the Holy Spirit. As Pentecostals, it's not just about our doctrine. It's about our power, that God wants you to be filled with power from the Holy Spirit inside out. With the power of the Lord, be strong in the strength of His might. So strength is that power that's been built up beforehand, and might is the release of that power. So you have strength, be strength in the power of God's might. God has all power. God has all authority. So God's given you power. You're backed by His power. And what He's telling you to do is release your power in the strength of His might. Take that power from heaven and then release it out through the gift of faith. Passion Translation puts it like this. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. His explosive power, the dunamis power flowing in and through you. So you need to be strong in the Lord. That's our first premise. It's confidence. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. It's the wicked that flee when no one is pursuing them. There's just something great that comes with confidence. When you, are, when you just absolutely, no fear in you, no fear has entered into your body. You're just stepping out in faith, in confidence. I was a night manager for the Park Royal Hotel in Brisbane, Australia. First night on duty, never done it before. First night on duty, around about three o'clock, one of the other managers said, you need to go out into the parking lot and you need to check the parking lot, make sure everything is secure. I said, sure, we're downtown Brisbane. I grab a flash flashlight. I go down to the top level of the parking lot. I'm shining down cars. I'm shining down alleys. I'm everywhere. I go down the bottom looking for, you know, burglars or whatever. And I'm shining down cars and alleys. And I finally come back. I... 15, 20 minutes later, I said to the manager, I've done it. I've checked it. Everything is cool. And he said, do you go down there on your own? I'm like, yeah, why not? He goes, you're crazy. This is not the country. This is the city. If there's someone down there, they're going to mug you. They're going to attack you. This is, not, this is not a safe place to be on your own. When I had confidence, bold as a lion, Next day, it was like the wicked flea when no one was pursuing them because there was no one downstairs, no one in, but I had to do it on my own. And so then I went down totally different. I didn't go down flashing. I put the flashlight in the air and yelling things like, I'm walking through the parking lot checking for burglars right now. I was just making as much noise and I did it in 10 minutes and got out of there. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when there is no one pursuing them. Your inner strength comes from confidence. That's why you've got to know what the Word says about you. 
Ephesians uh, tells us that He will grant to us to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. Luke chapter 1 tells us that nothing is impossible for God. Uh, the Bible says that Him who is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, according to the power of God that's working in us. In Colossians, He says that we are strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Timothy told us, in the book of Timothy, we see that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind or self-control. Second Samuel, he says, you equip me with strength for the battle. Isaiah wrote it like this. I love this passage. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Is there anybody here today that's excited to be upheld by the righteous right hand of God? So confidence is a spiritual attitude. It is Holy Ghost-infused boldness. I love the way the Message Bible puts this. It says, well, that about wraps it up. God is strong and He wants you strong. I think if you could simplify it, in those words, God is strong and He wants you strong. Battle ready begins in confidence. The second thing, battle ready, means that you need the intel. You need to have some intelligence. You need to know who, where, what, how is the battle taking place. So it tells us in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle in his flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we need to have an awareness of the enemy that we're fighting. We need to understand that the enemy is engaged. Put on the whole armor of God. Take it up, get it ready. No, put it on. We're, we're, we're going to fight. You only put the armor on in battle. Soldiers weren't wearing their armor around unless they're in warfare. But as soon as they went from being in their civilian duty to warfare, they put the armor on because we're ready to fight. And so when Paul says, put on the armor of God, he's trying to let us know, hey, you are in a fight. The enemy is already engaged against you. Second thing that we need to understand is that the enemy is strategic. It says in verse 11, right at the end, that you can stand against the schemes of the devil or the methods of the devil or the wiles, the strategies of the devil. So you take up the armor and then you've got to realize the devil actually has a plan. The enemy has a strategy. And someone with a strategy will always beat somebody who's either not fighting or doesn't have a strategy. That's why Paul's writing this, letting you know the powers of darkness have a strategic plan for your destruction. You gotta be aware because the devil's not more powerful. The devil's not more creative. Bible says that no temptation has come upon you except what? That which is common to man. And you may have heard me say this before, but it's not like the devil can go back you know, into the outer realms of darkness somewhere with all the demons and have a big cauldron 
And he's like, hubble, bubble, boil in trouble. And so like, you know, just cook something up and come out with a magic potion <laughs> and throw it at you. And you're like, whoa, no one's ever been tempted like that before. That can't happen. He can only tempt you with things that are common. But what he does is he just changes the packaging. It's like the satanic Happy Meal. It's always going to be a burger, fries, and soda. Just changes the toys and the packaging. It's going to be the same sin. He just changes the packaging. And so when you understand how the enemy works, it's easier to have spiritual victory. And so the enemy can't overpower you. He is limited to repetition, but he can outsmart you. And so that's what Paul's saying. If you want to win, you've got to get smart. If you, if you want to win, you, you can't be passive. The enemy is engaged and the enemy is strategic. Well, here's the next thing you need to understand. He's invisible. That's what makes it difficult. Verse 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. So we're not, our battle is not against people. It's not against the person next door or the government, physical people. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. Where's our, where's our fight? It says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So the spirit realm is very, very real. The spirit realm is not a result of our imagination, but rather it's the reverse. Like you and I in the flesh didn't invent God. You and I in the flesh in this physical world didn't invent the spiritual world. That's not how it happened. It is reverse. God is a spirit and he spoke out of the spiritual realm and spoke us into being. Everything that we can see came out of the invisible. And so the spirit realm is actually more real than us. The spirit realm is not a figment of your imagination. You're a figment of the spirit realm's imagination. I love what it says in the Living Bible. It says, we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies. I think it's good to remember that our fight is not with people. That our, our fight is with the powers of darkness, with persons without bodies. That the manifestation may be tangible, but the source is invisible. So what you may be dealing with is a tangible issue. You're like, man, that's not invisible. I can see it. it's right there in front of me. So the issue may be tangible, it may be physical, but what brought that into being was the invisible. It got out, it brought out of darkness into your world. That, that's, that's the realm that we as the church live in. It's the faith realm. It's the God realm. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Things that you hoped for, that you were believing for. You didn't have it. It was unseen. God gave us visions. He gave us dreams. He gave us prophecy. What is the common denominator? All of those are invisible, but they will become visible. So that's what faith does. Faith reaches in the invisible realm and brings it into the natural realm. That's why God's telling you when you tithe, just don't tithe. That's physical. But get into the invisible, reach out, believe God to open up the floodgates of heaven and open for you the doors of heaven so He would pour out for you a blessing that you will not receive. That's not tangible, that's not physical. It will be, but you've got to reach into faith and get it out of there first. 
So our fight and our faith begins in that we're, we're in the natural, but we're looking into the spirit, into the invisible realm. And by faith, we're drawing blessing towards ourselves. If you're unemployed, stand there in faith, reach into the invisible and draw blessing onto your life and get a job. If your children are unsaved, draw into faith and see them standing beside you in church. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle, but the battle's in the invisible realm and you've got to fight there before it manifests in the tangible realm. Fear's exactly the same way. Job said that. The thing I, what, feared most has come upon me. Blessed financially, blessed you know, with assets, blessed with his family. Somewhere in Job's life, he must have been thinking, man, this is too good. Things are just too good. Something bad is about to happen. I got too much money. I got too much fun. I got too many resources. I, man, I just don't know if it's going to last. And man, something bad is going to happen. And then the thing that he feared most, he reached into the invisible. He gave the enemy permission and he drew it on to himself. You've got to understand about the enemy that he is aggressive, he's destructive. Thief only comes for one purpose, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is a murderer. John 8 says that he is a murderer from the very beginning. He doesn't, his end result for you is destruction. It, there's pleasure in sin for a while, but then eventually it will kill you. The Bible says that he is a liar. John chapter 8 says you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. The devil cannot tell you the truth. I remember I was in Bible college and Pastor David Cartledge was telling me that they were praying over somebody uh, for deliverance once. And uh, laid hands on this person. And they like, name yourself, you foul spirit. And the, the thing came back. I am a lying spirit. And the person praying is like, are you telling me the truth, you lying spirit? I just thought it was funny. <laughs> but the devil is a liar from the beginning. And so he's going he's gonna to coach things into where you are seduced by the lie. We're going to get aware of that because our society is being built on lies fabricated as reality. With AI, with video, with editing, on social media, the enemy can lie and make it look really real. We just dealt with this, Anna and I dealt with this a few weeks ago with a friend in ministry, great man of God, but he'd read an article uh, online about one of the churches that we would be connected to and uh, he was blown away by how bad it was. When you read the article, you too would be like, whoa, this is really, really bad. But as I read the article, I'm reading through it, I'm like, this is a scam. I can just tell by what's being said that none of this is real. You can just see the way it's written. This man, godly man, holy man, spiritual man, believes it. But when you read right through it, right in small letters, like after the article's finished, after a couple of ads, it says, this is satire. In other words, none of this is true. It's all a bold-faced lie. But what happens is the enemy throws that up on the social media. We see it, whoa, must be real. Whoa. We start sending it out to all of our friends. We disseminate false information. 
That's the world that we live in right now. You, you got a question when it comes your way. Why? Because the devil is a liar from the beginning. He can't help himself. He's not into truth. He's into lying and he's going to distort things and use deception. That's a part of his nature and his character. He can't get away from it. He was a liar from the beginning. That's not going to kill you if you eat off this tree. Because God knows that in that day you won't die. What's he doing? He's lying. He's a liar. He's a predator. Peter tells us that he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. May start with a thought you entertain or a habit you tolerate or an attitude you justify or an action that you allow or a person who you keep really close to you or music that you won't let go of. I'm not sure how it is, but the enemy is waiting. He may not be there all the time, but he's waiting in the background, just waiting to pounce, waiting for you to open up a, a door. He's an accuser. Book of Revelation calls him the accuser of the brethren. He's going to come against you with accusation. This is the nature of God, of, of the devil. We also know that the enemy is organized. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil forces in the heavenly places. So it would appear from Scripture that as Satan fell from heaven, took a third of the angels, that he has organized the angelic hosts, princes, kings, demonic powers, principalities over cities, principalities over areas, and he's moved them all around the world. No matter where you go, what nation you're in, there's going to be demonic forces and they operate at different levels of intensity. And so every, over every city, there's a prince over a city. Over every, under every prince, there are kings being distributed with authority. And there are demons that are coming up under them. This is the invisible world around us. You've got to get your head around it because we're not fighting people, we're fighting spiritual forces. And you can tell when demonic activity is reigning because it changes the atmosphere. A few years ago, I was preaching in South Africa, downtown Johannesburg. And I drove in with the pastor early in the morning to go to preach at this church. And as we drove into the neighborhood, I felt the atmosphere change. It wasn't the housing. It wasn't the people. It was nothing. It was just like, ooh. And I said to him, ooh, that, it feels like death. It feels vile. Where, where, where are we? I didn't know where we were. And then he's like, oh, this is one of the roughest areas in Johannesburg. We're going to go in there and preach there today. I was like, man, this, is, this place is freaking me out. It wasn't anything I saw. It was a spiritual principality in the air that I was sensing. When we got there, the, the, the ushers met us at our car with machine guns. And then they guarded the car while they walked us in with machine guns into the church. And I preached the fastest I've ever preached in my whole life. <laughs> I had a 35-minute message in seven minutes. How many points have you got today, Pastor? None. It's got an introduction and a conclusion. We're out of here. It was a rough area. But the same is like that, like in Brisbane, if you go down to the, the Gold Coast, as soon as you drive onto the Gold Coast, you can feel the party atmosphere. You can feel the drugs. You can feel the alcohol. You can feel the party in the air. 
Why? Because principalities and powers and rules of darkness are in those areas. And so while the enemy is organized and coordinated, the reality is for the majority of the church that we are not organized. For the majority of the church, we're unorganized, unaware, and we are disengaged from battle. So Paul is telling us that he wants us to fight. We're not, we're not fighting We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting against organized forces against us. And then you need to know that the enemy is focused. Not only is he organized, but he is focused. The thief only comes for one purpose, and that's to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the only only objective of the enemy. Steal from you, take something. Then he'll just come in, keep taking it then go in and kill, bring death, and eventually kill your lineage. Because the enemy's not just wanting to destroy you. If he has the opportunity, he's gonna destroy you and your children and your children's children. He's gonna attack you generationally. As God wants to bless us generationally, the enemy wants to attack us generationally. And so I'm fighting, not just for me, but I'm fighting for me and my wife and my daughters and my son-in-law and my, my grandsons and my grandson's children and my children's children. That, that, that's who we're fighting for. So you don't want to give him a, a foothold or a stronghold in your life because you're pushing back the powers of darkness so he can't have that against you. You got to know who he is. Let me give you the last thought. To be battle ready, you need to be prepared to take your stand. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. So we're encouraged twice in the passage to use the whole armor of God. Take it up, pick it up, wear it. Next Sunday, I'm gonna go in and and go through the articles of the the armor of God and how you can take those practically and spiritually and use them to yield the authority that God has already given you. So God's already given you authority. Turn the person beside you and say, I already have spiritual authority. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm already ruling and reigning with Him. I'm gonna walk it out. I'm gonna take territory. My family's gonna be saved. My family's gonna be blessed. Righteousness shall rule and reign in our house. This is how I'm wired, the righteousness of God in me. I'm gonna take my stand. I'm gonna stand therefore. I love it, he says, take up, put on. And then three times he says, stand, stand, stand. Withstand, stand, stand again. Dig your feet in. I'm not going to be pushed back. I'm not, I'm not going to be fought against. I'm going to take my stand. I'm going to stand in the authority of God. I'm going to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to take our stand on the battlefield. First Corinthians says, For though you walk in the flesh, you're not waging war according to the flesh. We know where the fight is. It's a spiritual fight. Maybe be less angry at your neighbor and be more angry at the devil. Maybe stop looking at that problem child. Maybe they're struggling with their sexuality. Maybe they're struggling with their Christianity. Maybe they're struggling with the law. 
but rather being angry at them, love them, hate the devil behind it. Get in faith. Pray in faith around, surround your children with angels. Ask God to commission angels. The devil only has a third. God has two thirds. There's more for us than there are against us. So you don't need to be focused on the end. You need to be focused on God and His might. Get angels around your children, but you've got to fight for them. The devil's a spirit and he brings it into the flesh. And the arbitrator between the two is the soul. That's where the battle happens. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. It's in our mind, our will, and our emotions. So the spirit being speaks to your mind, gets you to think negative thoughts. You're no good. You're hopeless. You're horrible. No one cares about you. No one would miss you if you're gone. Why don't you just take your life right now? That's the enemy with a thought. Tries to come in with a thought. Sows a thought. Where's that happening? In my mind. Then your emotions. Remember that person who hurt you? Remember that person who lied about you? Remember that person who betrayed you? Get your emotions engaged. Then your will. Yield your will. Instead of resisting, you think, yeah, maybe I should do this. So the enemy comes in through your mind, your will, and your emotions. From the spirit realm into your soul, what so you can do is you can manifest it in the flesh. Best way to think about it is this. The body is world consciousness. The soul is self-consciousness and the spirit is God conscious or the spirit realm. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divine in power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This is where the battlefield is. Being battle ready means we're gonna take our stand. The battle begins in the spirit realm and uses the soul. That's why the Bible talks about the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, selfish ambition. What are all these things? These are the things that manifest in the flesh but sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures, there's a spiritual fight in every generation to pervert it. And just as in my generation, there was a spiritual battle to pervert sexuality in my generation. And now the kickback of society is to go back to the people that really lived that out to its demonic fullness and put them in jail because we realized that behavior was always wrong. But when the Spirit was operating in the world, the world made it feel like it was always right. That's the deception. Was it always right? No, it was always wrong. But he is a liar. So right now in society, there's another perversion coming through a sexual perversion. And it's being taught in our schools. It's being taught on the news. It's portrayed in the media. What's it trying to do? It's selling a lie so we can buy into the lie, feel like the lie is correct, buy into it, and it can pervert our society. And 30 years from now, we're going to look back and go, man, you destroyed a generation. You destroyed young men and young women. You trashed their lives with your lie. And we're going to go back then. And maybe we're going to prosecute because we realize not that it's just not wrong now. It's always been wrong. 
But it's a spiritual battle. We're going to win it in prayer. We're going to win it in faith. Idolatry and sorcery happens through drugs and narcotics. A hostility, you know, and quarreling happens through, yeah, you just posted something on social media. Selfish ambition and dissension and division is my first before your needs. It all begins in a thought. Manifests in an action. Becomes a habit. Takes over as a lifestyle and secures your destiny. Destiny is when it has a strong hold. Every lie of the enemy is like a little grab, trying to get a grab. Just trying to grab, and you deflect it. Don't touch me. Trying to get a grab. Don't touch me. Thought comes from no. And then all of a sudden you entertain it. It's like he's got a hold. Then he'll come with another hold. Then he'll come and put his arm around you. Then he'll hold you with both arms. Then he'll bind you in a rope. And eventually, if you keep entertaining it, it becomes a strong hold. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty for the pulling down of strong holds over our life. That's God's plan for you. And so if the church is going to reach this community and reach the world behind us, we're going to have to push back. We have to realize there is a fight where it's happening. Don't realize where it is. Get strong in prayer. Get strong in worship and believe and trust God. And otherwise, we just turn up to church and we just get super lazy. We just do Christianity. We serve our time on a Sunday morning for a couple of hours and go home, and that's it. No, it's more than that. There's a lifestyle. God wants to change you from the inside out. It's a lifestyle. In just a moment, we're gonna we're gonna worship God, and when we worship God, I'm gonna ask our pastors and leaders to come down the front. If you have an area in your life that you're like, man, I am I am fighting in this area. This is a battle for me. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's over your family. Maybe it's over your inheritance, your life. And you're like, I, I just need someone to agree with me in prayer today, to fight in the Spirit. Maybe you just need to be encouraged in the Spirit. We're going to take a time out. We, we'll worship together and we'll pray. And then if it goes a little bit longer than the time that we have, then we'll dismiss church and we'll keep the altar open to continue to pray. Because you are the VIP. You are the most valuable person here. But we're in a battle. Some of you may be here today and go, well, I don't know if I am in a battle. Yeah, you are, whether you know it or not, you are in a battle. I don't feel like I'm in a battle. You're in a battle. Whether you feel that the enemy is attacking you. I don't know how you travel internationally, but for me, whenever I land in a city, whether it be Sydney or Auckland or London, anywhere, Cancun, anywhere, anytime I land, First thing I'm doing, I'm looking on the plane. Doesn't matter where I'm sitting. It could be sitting at the front or down the back. I'm sitting there, I'm looking down at 1A and 1B. And I'm thinking to myself, I shall beat them to immigration. <laughs> With my goal to beat them to baggage claim. So every time I land, it's never, never doubt. Doesn't matter what time of the day or night. My goal, I will get there before you. The plane is landing, I'm getting my bag, I'm getting ready. You know those people that stand up as soon as the seatbelt comes off? That's me. Especially internationally. Domestically, not so much. But internationally, definitely. Ding! Belt's already off. I'm up. Bag's on my shoulder. I'm looking at how I can get out. I'm planning my way. I'm watching 1A and watching 1B, seeing what they're doing. They're still getting their bag down. That's great. I like that. Take your time. Take your time. Relax. Don't be in such a hurry. 
They open those doors to the jet. Boom, I'm out. And I am walking. Anna sometimes will yell at me, you're not at the airport, you know, because I just walk at a ferocious pace. And so I'm going, and I can see them in the distance. They're way ahead. And I'm just, they have no idea that the competition is on. (laughs) But there is a fierce competition happening right now. And as soon as I hit immigration, I check through and get to the other side. I look back at where 1A and 1B are. (laughs) I go down to baggage claim and I just wait. I'm the only one there. Takes hours for everyone else to get there. I'm the only one there. I'm the only one there. In El Salvador, when we took our missions team, I got through immigration so fast that I was just standing waiting for the bags and I didn't move. I was just waiting for the bags to come off and security started to think that I was a problem because I was just standing there doing nothing for like half an hour. But see, no one else realizes this is a battle. I like that because I'm gonna win. That's how the enemy is. He loves it when you're just coasting and you don't know that he's outsmarting you, outmaneuvering you, trying to beat you in the battle. Our battle ready is to get you stirred spiritually because we want you to live in victory. We want you to live in the authority that God has already given you. We don't want you to be defeated. We want you to have a victorious life. Can you stand with us right now?